Good morning, New Heights. What awesome time of coming out together as the body of believers to worship our Heavenly Father today. Amen? Amen. All right, y'all are doing good. Y'all are talking back to me. I like that. Got that. Jim told me to get used to it if no one speaks back, but I can't get used to that. I'm sorry. I'm a therapist as well, too. You know. um, but anyway, I'm the marriage from family pastor here at New Heights, and I'm also a counselor at the Joshua Center. Um, and I've introduced myself here a couple of times, but I want to also make sure one thing I made a mistake of, I didn't introduce probably the greatest blessing in my life outside of salvation with Jesus Christ is my wife, Nicola, is here with me. Yeah. And we have been blessed with five girls, Grace, Victory, Destiny, Charity, and Nora. See, y'all talk on that part. You give up on that. And uh, our last one, Nora. So we are definitely glad to be here and be a, hard, a part of the New Heights uh, family. You know, it's a funny story, and I won't go into detail that much today about how I ended up even up here. But I was talking in the first service. It's funny. My best friend probably uh, in the world is Dan Smith, and he's a Dutch guy. And this Dutch guy tells me I need to meet this guy who was a Jew in, in, in California, and that's a, a pastor at New Heights, and then this Jewish guy helps bring this African-American guy to New Heights. That's a beautiful thing. You can clap on that, right? Yeah, yeah, that's a beautiful thing. Um, and I, I've definitely enjoyed my journey here. And uh, today we've been in the series, we've been talking about the church is. You know, um, that, it, that, that Lee last week, he talked about the church, and he talked about discipleship and that inward aspect of the church. Prior to that, Bruce talked about the other inward, another inward aspect of the church, and he talked about community. Well, in this today, talk today, I want to talk to you about care in the church and how we care for one another. Um, this is a very important aspect about the church caring for one another because in John 13, 35, Jesus said that the world would know that we are his by the love that we share for one another. And I just want to go into this real quick, New Heights. Like one of the things that really attracted me here was not Lee and, and his great salesmanship, but that I saw New Heights in the community caring about the community. But one of the things that has really impressed me about New Heights is how much we put into caring about people in the body of Christ, even at the Joshua Center, that we want to make sure that there are resources available to make sure our body is healthy. And as I go through this talk today, I want to emphasize on our, I want to emphasize our, our, our mission statement really of New Heights. And I'm going to challenge you, well, gosh, it's on the screen, I was going to challenge you a little bit, but you see it right there, to love God passionately and to love people tangibly. So this is not a heady talk. This is not a talk where you're going to get all these points and, and this, this theological exposition and hermeneutical know-how. I want you to feel this talk. I want this talk to sit heavy on your hearts and to say, one, you know, are we really living out our mission statement of loving God passionately and loving people tangibly? And does that come out in the way that we care for other people? All right. And so even as we talk about that, care can be described as either a noun or as a verb. And as a noun, the Oxford Dictionary describes it as the provision for what is necessary for the health, welfare, maintenance, and protection of someone or something. So you are caring and protecting and looking out for someone or something. But even as a verb, the Oxford Dictionary describes care as to feel concern or interest for someone else. And I even like it when you look at the etymology of the word care, it takes it back to an old Germanic word, and that old Germanic word went to, to lament or to grieve. And you know, one thing I've really come to learn is that I, cannot, I will not be moved to care for you if I cannot grieve for you. If in some way that, you, you, that what you're going through and what you're experiencing does not burden my heart, then I will never grieve, that I will not provide care for you. 
And I think that's one of the things we see that's an issue in our culture today. You know, we can all go into our, our different little bubbles. And I even gave you the cultural breakdown of how I came to New Heights because we can all get locked into cultural bubbles, socioeconomic bubbles, and we could, for, we could forget and fail to care for one another even amongst the body of Christ. But if I do not, I cannot care for you if I cannot lament for you, if I cannot grieve for you, if I cannot be moved with compassion for your life and the things that you need. And in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9, Paul says this, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. And I want Mandy Lynch today to share about and share her story about how she received care from her community group. Hi. So the last year, a little over a year of my life has been definitely a season marked by care and challenges, new challenges for my family. And in January of 2016, we had our son, Case, and he was the best. Um, And about when he was about seven months old, last summer, we bought this new house that we were so excited about. And we were um, going to redo a bunch of stuff. And it was like this dream house to us. And um, the day before we closed, the whole house flooded. And So these little projects that we thought we were going to be doing became a massive project where we had to tear out all of the subfloor and tear out the whole kitchen and everything that existed in the main part of the house was destroyed. Um, And that's what it looked like on the top. Um, And so we were in the thick of this house in destruction. And a week after we closed on the house, we found out that my dad had committed suicide. And we were just frozen and we didn't know what to do. We knew we had to, to take care of that stuff and we had to go spend time with his family and my sister was preparing to move to China the next week and so we just spent our time with her and just grieving and we went to Michigan for his funeral and we just, on the way back, we're like, what are we gonna do? Like, how do we exist in this? How do we live in that house without a kitchen with our seven-month-old? and Um, we got home and our people had put in our subfloors for us. They had worked on our house um, while we were gone without us. And and then uh, they had come together and and pooled money together. And they're not like rich people. They're all young, married people. And they, they pooled their money together and provided us with gift cards to eat meals for two months. Um, that we just lived off of that because we couldn't really cook in our house, and um, it was, they would bring meals, and they would send us cards, and just provide it in all these ways, and and I think for us, care can mean a lot of different things, um, but for us, in the, in the beginning, in those first moments, we just really needed our practical needs met. Mm-hmm. Um, we needed food, and we needed a home, and we didn't know what to do, and so they knew what to do. Our, our friends knew what to do for us and how to love us. But then they didn't stop there. They all throughout the year kept working on our house with us and they kept showing up. I remember so many times and my living room just like weeping with my friends and them weeping with me and mm-hmm. just feeling the weight of it with me. And uh, there was one night that they all came over and just prayed over our home for a whole evening. And um, we felt so cared for. And I think the 
the challenge for me in that time was, was it was a challenge to see where God was. And, and it was hard to see, like, like that song that, that we're good, that he's good. And I believe that the way he showed us his presence the most in that season of the last year was through his people, Amen. just loving us and caring for us well. Thank you, Mandy. Yeah. I appreciate that. I mean, can you just feel the care in that? And what, I'm not just talking about just hearing Mandy's heart, but just thinking about what was it in her community group that made them to see her, what her and her family needed at that moment and what they cared about. And Mandy talked about the practical needs, but she just talked about how much they went above and beyond and they expressed their heart of worship was really what it was. It's, this is my brother and sister in Christ and we care, we grieve and we are feeling what they're going through and we are moved with compassion to be there for them. So thank you to that community group for exemplifying the body of Christ and loving God passionately and loving people tangibly. You know, I also want to talk about how here at New Heights, there are so many ministries we have that provide care, even right here, to members of our local body. And I didn't do this in the first service, but I want to do this today, something a little bit different, just so I can get a kind of view. And if there's no one stands, that's okay. But if for some reason, as I name these different ministries, if you are a part of that ministry, could you just kind of stand and sit back down? Or maybe if you've been blessed or you've been someone that's been ministered to by that ministry, you can stand and sit back down. And I understand that some of those, some people say, I don't want to stand. But you know one thing I like here at New Heights, as I counsel at the Joshua Center, I go through, you know, hey, I'm a counselor. We'll probably see each other. People say, hey, I don't care if people know you're my counselor at New Heights. And I think that's a beautiful thing for a church to be able to say, we all need help. Help. We all have our hurts, habits, and hangups, and we need help. I think that's a beautiful thing. So I'm going to name, a few, name some of these. The Belong Ministry. The Belong Ministry is a ministry to care for, support, to support fostering and adopting families because they really need support. Before I came here to work at New Heights, that was my job. I was a counselor, but I worked for Arkansas Baptist Children's Homes and Family Ministries where I helped provide care for foster and adopt a family. So that one is very personal to my heart uh, as well. So thank you for the Belong Ministry. But then our Care Ministry. The care ministry, they provide for people's needs in so many ways. And, um, and even for me, I was, I was blessed by the care ministry. And even as Mandy, when I came on, I could have easily fell through the cracks as a new staff member. But she knew we were having a baby. And she immediately went and got us put on the list. And we were able to, for a whole month, we got lazy, y'all. We did not have to cook for a month because so many people came through. And it was a blessing because not only did they come and bring meals, they cared for us. Some of them prayed for us and let us know they were praying for us. So it even went beyond the food for us. Like I felt like I was coming into a church family and not a job. Also want to point out Celebrate Recovery. I know Chad and Angela are over there. Um, Celebrate Recovery is a national faith-based organization, a 12-step program that provides a safe place for people to deal with their hurts and their habits and their hangups. And as I know Chad and Angela would say, it's not just about addiction. We all have hurts, habits, and hangups, and we all are in need of help. So we're thankful for them. Also, I want to point out special needs ministry. Jim highlighted this in the recess uh, in, in his talk, and that's ran by Amber Leonard. I really, when I began to hear that New Heights did that, that just blessed my heart. To hear that this church intentionally says, we are going to be there even for the, the people in our community that have special needs. That's a beautiful thing, because if you don't know it or not, some of those families will be Christ-following believers, but do not feel like they can attend church because of their loved one's struggle. 
So I love the fact that we make space for that and we minister to our community in that way. And then, of course, the Joshua Center. I know there are many of the therapists here and many of you go to counseling at the Joshua Center. And I'm thankful for that. And I'm thankful for you willing to be able to stand. Um, and the Joshua Center provides community classes and counseling for people with, uh, struggling with various issues. That's a beautiful thing, that this church provides care in so many ways. Like we know this church is a missional church and we do so much, but I love the fact that we don't skip over our body and the local community to go overseas and neglect the needs right even here at home. Because if we don't take care of the people in this house, we can't take care of people we can't be able to send people overseas. So I'm glad that this church has a holistic perspective in how to provide care. So even as I talk about care, I want to expand that a little bit. I'm going to go into a big philosophical concept of talking about love. And I know love has been treated so many ways in culture and time. You know, there have been philosophers and songwriters that have asked some hard questions, such as Tina Turner. She asked, what does love have to do with it? Who needs love because love is just a second-hand emotion? You know, this side of the room might be like, what is he talking about? This side of the room is like, the tune is going through your head, right? You know, George, George Burns, he says that love is like a backache. You, you can feel it, but it doesn't show up on x-ray. Plato, he called love a mental disease. But scripture has a lot to say about love. And I'm going to take a journey, and I think it'll be on the screen here. I want to do a survey of love. Can I do a survey of love with you, church, from the scriptures? Man, this second service is a little bit more live, I tell you. I don't know. You know, I know New Heights is charismatic in its feel all around, but this second service, I think the expressive charismatics come to the second service. All right. I don't know. I don't know. All right. Yeah. So I want to begin. In Mark uh, chapter 12, verse 29, Jesus was challenged about what is the greatest commandment. And he answers this. The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Then in John chapter 13, he says this, Jesus talking to his disciples, a new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must, not optional, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Love is to be a distinguishing mark of the church, and it is not optional. First John, the, the apostle writes this. This is, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Even Mandy pointed that out. Her, her, not her community group was the richest community group, but they laid down their lives for her family. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, Remember, care means to lament and to grieve. How can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Then Paul goes on later and he says this in Ephesians chapter 5. Follow God's example, therefore, as dear children, and walk in the way of love, just as, just as Christ loved us and gave himself for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. And then Paul even brings love and he talks about the supremacy of love really in tying together all the Christian virtues in Colossians chapter 3. Beginning at verse 12, he says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with one another, forgive one another, if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love 
which binds them together in perfect unity. But this is a verse I want to end that survey with because it really hit me this week. And so Paul was dealing with a very theological issue in a church that's very divided. And he's talking about, you know, people are arguing, oh, should we eat meats that are offered to idols? Will we profane ourselves? Will it ruin our testimony as a body of Christ? And listen to Paul's answer about a very deep, theological, potentially controversial issue. And I think it's the same way we can answer many of the issues in today's church. We make them very complicated. We convolute it in politics, but the answer can be very simple for the body of Christ. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Now regarding your question about food that has been offered to idols. Yes, you know that we all have knowledge, right? You can go to social media and hear everybody's great knowledge. But while knowledge makes us feel important, it is love that strengthens the church. Not a political party, not your opinion. It says that it is love that strengthens the church. Love is to be the distinguishing mark of every Christ follower. And Jesus said, the world will know that you are mine by the love that you show for one another. My heart grieves not for racial tension, not for uh, immigration issues. My heart grieves because I'm concerned if we have lost our love for one another. And we, as Jim said, we will be judged for that one day. I like how Dr. Tony Evans says, he says, God is not going to skip over the, over the church house to go to the White House. So in his talk on community, Bruce said something that was very powerful, and I want to say it again. When he was talking about the, the, about the church and being community, he says the church is Jesus' presence in his physical absence. The church is Jesus' presence in his physical absence. I want to build on that a little bit today, and I want to say this statement. And Lisa, you can go ahead and get ready to come forward. I want to say this, that love empowers the church to be the felt presence of Christ in his physical absence. Love empowers the church to be the felt presence of Christ in his physical absence. And I want you to hear Lisa's testimony about how she felt Christ's presence and the love here at New Heights Church. Well, today is a very special day for me. Um, I was looking through Facebook this morning and I didn't realize it, but today is the five-year anniversary of the day that my life kind of fell apart. Um, I was not faithful. I didn't go to church. I didn't know Christ. And through a series of events in my life and my family's life, um, I lost all my friends. I lost everything important to me. Um, and so it's funny that they come and ask me to do this today of all days and I didn't realize it. So, so as I was through that deep, dark depression that I was in at that time, um, through a series of events, I found Celebrate Recovery and went to Celebrate Recovery and God found me there in my brokenness and in my mess and reached out to me. And as I started to heal, I thought I needed a new church. I needed a church, a place to call home and went to several churches and didn't feel connected and didn't feel loved and cared for. And on a whim, I decided to come to New Heights all by myself. And when I came through the doors, walking up the, up to the entryway and all the people out there greeting you, hi, good morning, um, made me feel welcome. And I came in and I walked up to the counter and I was like, I need help. I need to know where to go. And this lady sat and talked to me and talked to me about New Heights. And I just felt God's presence and I felt like I belonged here from the second I walked in the doors. I felt loved. 
and I felt cared for. And as I went through discovery group and met some amazing people in my discovery group, they walked through me through a mess. My brother had passed away and found out while I was in discovery group. And they walked through me in that mess and just cared for me and just was amazing. And I've had several instances I could go on all day with all the different little things in the church where people have reached out to me. I was the type of person that was always smiling, always happy-go-lucky, always had a smile on my face. But inside, I was broken, and I was hurt, and just a mess, and I struggled. Nobody can see my broken, can nobody see my pain. But when I started to reach out, and when I said, I need help, I was surrounded by tons of people that were there for me, and cared for me, and loved me. And I'm nowhere near the person I was five years ago. I have courage. I'm up here doing this, which is something I never would have done. Um, God's given me the strength and courage to go to school. I've started school this semester. Um, And it's just been a huge transformation on my life. I go to Celebrate Recovery every week. I'm surrounded by women that lift me up and support me. I'm not there for an addiction. I'm there for hurt from my life and my childhood and the mess. And they care on me and they love me as family. And I couldn't imagine being anywhere else. And I just thank this church for all it's done for me. And I just can't wait to see how I grow. Can you stay here for a second? I feel feel led to do something differently. I want to do something different than the first service. I want Lisa to stand here and I want to pray with her. And I want you right now to think about that person in your life, that person that you know might be going through something that might feel some type of hurt or some pain. Do you mind kind of standing in the gap? When I heard Lisa's heart, she really has that heart for that people that sometimes we can overlook in society or even right here in our own. Don't ignore that when you see people hurting. Reach out. So let's pray, church. God, right now as we are here as a body of believers, put that person's name and face on our hearts. And may we be the expression in your felt presence by standing in the gap for them in prayer, interceding, and even as Mandy said, meeting practical needs because of the outflowing of your love in our lives for them. We thank you for Lisa and her testimony. Thank you for Mandy and her testimony. Ultimately, we thank you for the love that you show for us that we can then show compassion towards others. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all. Thank you, Lisa. And so even I, I, was, I, I had the privilege one day to um, have lunch with David Temple. And David said something that was really powerful to me as he was sharing his testimony, his journey of faith. And he said this statement to me, and it just really stuck with me. And I think it's true. It's a part of evangelism. The way we care for people can even be a form of evangelism. You get that? Jesus did that a lot. He met people's practical needs and then fed them spiritual food. David Temple said this. He said, I had to feel like I belonged before I could believe. You know, we can sit there and we can share the gospel with people sometimes in a very distant way and not care about what they're going through. But do people feel like they belong when they're amongst us? And that's what we heard in Lisa's testimony. She felt like she was not just coming to another church gathering or institution. She felt like she was coming to a family. And that's what it is when we gather here on Sunday. It's not just like we don't come together and be the church. We are the church always. And we are coming here as an outflow of worship and thankfulness to God for all that he has done for us. So as we get ready to go here, I want to tell, we've talked about this aspect of care and love in the church. I want to look at a church that Paul had to talk to about this concept about being the body of Christ and caring for one another. And I want to talk to you today about the Corinthian church. And with the Corinthian church, they had many struggles that Paul had to deal with. 
you know, even in their idea of their communion, they were very divided. There were some people that would be drunk because they had so much and some people just had too much and there were people who had nothing. And then they struggled with, well, I've got this gift and I've got that gift. And they were so divided. And Paul is like, no, 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 it can't be this way amongst you, brothers. We can't do it this way. And so he begins to go into a teaching with them to help them understand what it means to be the body of Christ and to bring their, their parts together. And Paul uses this language he's describing in a sense he talks about there are these, one, these certain parts of the body that we give a lot of attention to. But then there are some parts that seem like they don't need a lot of attention, but every part of the body need equal concern and attention. And he says it in verse 25, he says this, so that he's talking about them coming together and giving honor to all the parts. In verse 25, he says, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for one another. And if anyone suffers, every part suffers with it. If anyone part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. You know, have you ever had a body ailment where you felt like it started off, you did something to your toe and then your foot starts hurting and then you start hobbling and then the pain ends up in your knee because you're adjusting for the pain in your foot and then it goes from your knee because you're trying to hobble on that then it's like in your hip and then it goes from your hip into your back and next thing you know you're having headaches. It's like every part <laughs> is valuable. You might think like, oh, I just need to take care of my eyes and take care of my heart and my lungs. But you notice it when your foot's hurting, don't you? And it can definitely affect the quality of your life. Do we feel that same burden in the body of Christ? That if Mandy is hurting, can we move and be, meet her need? We said, well, Mandy's a staff member. Lisa just said it. She said she wasn't even a member of a church. She wasn't a member here. And just felt met with that love and that concern. Can we do that as the body of Christ? Well, they struggled with that. And so Paul says they were struggling with it. He says, you know what? Covet all the gifts, but let me show you the most excellent way. And I tell you, if there's any one passion or burden on my heart, it's for the church to find out what this most excellent way is and to live this out. And I'm kind of going to go through this quickly as we get ready to go through. And I want to give us an illustration about why this matters to me, about this most excellent way. Because what Paul is saying is that they need to be able to come together. Don't get caught so caught up in your individual gift, but think about how you fit into the overall body because we all have a part to play. And that's a lot of what Jim was talking about today. It's not on just people with large pocketbooks that can write the big checks. We all can play a part. Even when he broke down that number, I don't know how many of you, when you thought about that, like a college student giving $5 and all of our college students giving $5, like you can be a part of being a hot spot for Jesus Christ in Northwest Arkansas. And even a part of this talk, and I said this earlier, and it just, God just hit me with it in the middle of the talk. And what I'm talking about, even in this love, what happens is when you are a person that is embodied by the love of God and it is flowing through you into the people around you, you become a walking hot spot for Jesus Christ. All right? And I think all of us should say, we amen to that, right? We should all be walking hotspots for the love of Jesus Christ. And so in the military, in our training, a lot of it was that what they do is they're intentional. When you first go in the military, they want to break down every sense of your individuality. That's why everyone gets the same haircuts. Everyone has to wear the same uniform, the same exact way. You even learn how to walk the exact same way as the man or woman standing next to you. Because what they know that needs to happen is in the moment of combat, you cannot think in I terms. You have to think in we terms. A part, a part of the warrior ethos is no person left behind. Because 
I have to honor you. And if we, if when you're on that field, you have to know that even if you die in battle, your brothers and sisters in arms are going to bring you home. And that gives you boldness and courage to go out and do what you do. And I think we need to have that same ethos in the church, that no one is left behind, that even as the Satan wars against me and the pressures of life come, my brothers and sisters are standing with me. And so therefore I can go out and fight more boldly because it's not me, but it's a heavenly host that fights with me, right? Amen on that, that's right. And so this idea of love and what Paul is trying to talk about in this most excellent way He wants them to understand what it means to be the body of Christ and to really care and serve one another. And he starts off in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 with this. He says, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship, that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Let me break that down because Paul is a great lawyer, right? Jim probably can speak on this. Paul is building up his case to make it emphasize a critical point. He says, even if I say pretty sounding words without love, it's noise. It's undistinguishable noise. He says, even if I can understand all prophecy and all mysteries, and I can have faith that can move mountains, great spiritual gifts. But he says, without love, it's void. He says, I could give over my body to be burned, and I could even I could give all I possess to the poor, but without love, it gains nothing. And so, in other words, church, it's not just what we say. Are we as a body of Christ? I, I'm really concerned that part of the reason that the church is the, as a kind of bigger global thing, not talking about big C church, little C church, has lost its impact in culture is because we've lost the idea of love. And if we could come back to this, we could have a great influence in this culture. And one of the first sermons I ever attended here at New Heights was about the good faith message. And y'all were talking about race. And that's what it was about. And it was not about that, but it was this sense of loving your fellow man, no matter what or who, where they are, And that doesn't undermine who you are, but it's like you going into their world and having an impact on them with the love of Jesus Christ. Isn't that a powerful thing? But I know that's a very big concept talking about love. And I told you about all the great philosophers and how Tina Turner struggled with the question too. So let me help make this a little bit clearer about love, right? I like how Dallas Willard says it. He describes love as this. He says that love as Paul in the New Testament presents it is not action, not even action with a special intention, but a source of action. It is a condition out of which actions of a certain type emerge. In other words, what I really, the question I guess I really get to is that love is not just what you do, it's not just what you say, and it's not even what you feel. It is supposed to be who you are by the transformation and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And so I know I'm taking a big leap here. This is a James Hall, this is how I explain love to other people. And this is, why I th- this is how I define it. Love is a fruit of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer that influences one's feelings, actions, thoughts, and choices. That the Holy Spirit is the one that produces this fruit in you. So that means I have to have an abiding relationship with Jesus Christ, this Holy Spirit working in me. And then because the Holy Spirit is in me, he produces fruit in me that then begins to change the way I think, the way I feel, and the way I act. 
So sometimes I wonder, it's like, if I, and I, I'm not saying like I get this perfect, it's a process. Because as Paul goes on later in 1 Corinthians 13, he says, I was a child and I thought like a child and I acted like a child. But then he switches and says, but when I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. So there are some times when we, we can't see clearly, as Paul would say, and we see in the mirror very dimly. But there's one way, and I like this, what Paul is saying, and I think many translators look at it differently. But Paul says, I see in the mirror dimly. But one day I'll see clearly. He says, one day I will see myself, I will know myself even as I am known. The way James reads that is that one day Paul is picturing standing face to face with Jesus Christ, his Savior. And he's going to see Christ's perfect love for him and that he will understand himself through Christ's perfect love. And it's a process. But believers, people can tell that there's a, when you are a person in the process of expressing God's unconditional love love. And we will struggle with it at times, but we should ever the more persevere to grow in God's perfect love because people will feel it and they will sense it. So as I get ready to move towards closing here, I won't be able to unpack all of 1 Corinthians 13 for you, but you can go to newheights.com and go to our website and you'll be able to listen to this talk. And when you listen to our talks, you'll see a little PDF link under each talk under the WAV file. And you can click on that PDF link. And what that PDF link is going to have in there for you is just my way of trying to explain each one of the different principles. And the reason why this matters to me, if any of you go to my community class, I really believe there's power in beginning to pray through and say, God, reveal this to me. Am I a person that is long-suffering and kind? Am I envious? Am I boastful? Am I proud? Am I self-seeking? Am I rude towards other people? Do I keep a record of wrongs? Do I not confront my brothers and sisters when I see evil in their lives? Do I not celebrate with my brothers and sisters when God's will is winning out in their lives? God, am I a person who protects, who trusts, who hopes and perseveres with the saints? And I want you to take that maybe as a community group, as a family, and begin to just search your heart and say, I want to live this out. I want to be a walking hotspot for the love of God. I want to be the felt presence of Christ here on this earth, even as he is physically absent, knowing that one day I will stand before him and I will see myself through his eyes, even as he sees me. And in closing, I want to pray this blessing that Paul prayed over the Philippian church. And I think it really pertains to this concept of love. And I hope you receive this blessing. And he's, Paul says this, and this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Amen. So church, as we get ready to go into this time of communion, it's a beautiful expression. I remember my first time visiting New Heights and Lee saw that me and my wife didn't know anybody and he invited that him and Ruth came and took communion with us. That felt so intimate and so personal. We felt seen, we didn't feel overlooked in that moment. This is one of the greatest times we can be that, to be that, earth, that representation of the body of Christ as we celebrate the body of Christ by taking communion together. And you'll see that the different tables are set up around the room. I invite you to come and partake of these elements and to pray. Our prayer team is gonna come forward. And if you feel that it's something that God has spoken to you and the Holy Spirit has moved upon you, this is a time where you can say, you know what? Maybe what Jim said earlier today, you wanna to confess that to God and say, God, I wanna get right with you and even in stewarding the gifts you've given me. Or maybe you might say, you know what? 
I realize I've kind of been all about me and all in my world, but I want to express care for the body of Christ. Maybe you want to come and bring that to the altar or ask God to help you with that. Community groups, I want to encourage you to say, you know what, are we living out 1 Corinthians 13 even in our community group? And maybe you're not here with somebody. Community groups, body of Christ, New Heights, look around. If you see someone that wants to take communion, but they don't have anyone, invite them to come with you. And let's close out this time. And I just want to thank you, New Heights, for being the body of Christ, and even for caring for me and my family. May you go and be the felt presence of Christ in the world. God bless you.